Hey everyone, welcome back to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. My name is William Leonard and I'm your co-host. Today we have a fun and informative conversation for you all between Valor Ventures general partner Robin B. and Fay and one of our newest portfolio CEOs, Doug Newman. And by hearing these two talk, I am so confident that you will learn the ins and outs of building a more resilient cloud infrastructure for your respective company from two of the most well-informed minds in the industry. A little bit more context on Doug. He leads RPO, which is a startup that I actually discovered back in the spring of 2021. I saw the company on LinkedIn, reached out to Doug. We had a great first conversation and ultimately Valor ended up leading their seed round. And since then, Robin has joined the board of RPO and the company is legitimately off to the races. We're excited about the solutions that Doug is bringing to market and happy he's here with us on the podcast today. Thank you for joining me. This is our webinar with RPO, with Valor Ventures. I'm a general partner of Valor Ventures, and our webinar today is Divining Disaster Resilience Infrastructure for Web 3.0. It's really about resilience. So, Doug, you know, as an expert in this space, give us a, a little bit of your background and intro, and then I'll share a little bit of mine. Why don't we get started with you? Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Doug. I'm one of the founders and the CEO of RPO. RPO is a resilience for AWS, for the cloud uh, company. We have services that help companies ensure that they are never down for long when they go down. My background, I've been a software engineer forever and uh, for longer than I'd like to admit. I've worked at big companies like Microsoft, looked at startups before, have dealt with outages across the spectrum. Um, And in particular, the last company I was at, I ran a software engineering organization for a telecom and we had a lot of stuff in AWS and Amazon had a five-hour outage in the middle of the day one time. And it was a very uncomfortable experience. Very so, painful. It's very painful. Yeah. But that actually got us on to RPO. And that's really was the genesis of, of this company. So you have a passion for this space. I am uh, also got a background in telecom. I was at AT&T and Bell Laboratories, went to BlackBerry and then worked at Samsung. And uh, this is a, a sweet spot for me because I am passionate about not only, you know, being able to be resilient, but not only understanding the disaster recovery landscape, but business continuity as well as we move forward with new technologies. And, you know, some of the things that I've been part of is, of course, 9-11 was a big one. Katrina, some of the ones that are hard and a lot of people don't see is how this affects that in client and customer. And as we move to the cloud and more concentration of businesses and services and critical needs are concentrated in the cloud, it becomes even more important to understand, you know, what what are we doing about being resilient and having business continuity in the new cloud environment? And I was reading somewhere there's 40% of critical services have already moved their main run and operation to AWS. So I wanted to talk about outages today because I think that's top of mind for, for both of us. Sure. Let's do it. So which one comes to mind for you first that you guys have been working on? All right. Well, let me, I've got a few stories sort of in the can I can share with you. Uh, The first one is a story about a company 
called Codespaces. Codespaces was at one time an up-and-coming SaaS business competitor to companies like GitHub, Bitbucket. Uh, they had a boutique service around offering uh, developer solutions, source control management solutions for highly regulated organizations. And they had all kinds of marketing material about their business continuity stature, their posture, and how how elite they really were in this. And then they woke up one day and they found that somebody had hacked into their AWS account and that person had notified them that they were on the inside and demanded a ransom to leave. And they said, well, let's just lock them out. So they began the process of shutting down their access to the account. Unfortunately, they weren't fast enough. The attacker had installed a backdoor and they used that backdoor just to go delete everything in the account. It was all the servers, all of the databases, and most importantly, all of the backups of all those systems. And they probably started with the backups, didn't they? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that level of detail on it. What I know is that three days later, they had to close down their business. And so you take a company that's worth tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars right. um, and imagine that evaporating because they just hadn't done the right things to protect themselves from all the various disaster scenarios. And do you actually, when you see things like this, this is not the only one I can imagine. There's probably multiple examples in this space. Uh, I used to get yeah. customers calling in, you know, crying on the phone, you know, you know, my business is, is down. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, so what was your backup strategy? What was your continuity strategy? And you can't get into the middle of that when they're seeing, you know, their business close before their eyes. It's a pretty stressful situation. Yeah. It, I mean, it is totally catastrophic. And, um, you know, the reason why this story has always stood out to me is that so many of the people that we talk to are focused on platform resilience and how do I protect my business in case my cloud provider has an outage. But the most existential threats to companies are cyber events, whether it's, you know, what I just described there, a bad actor getting into your environment, um, a ransomware attack. There's another story that I often tell people it's about an event that happened at Cisco and the WebEx team where they had actually parted ways with an employee. I don't know the circumstances there, but about well, disgruntled three- employees are insiders at one point in time yeah, and, exactly. and know all of what everything's going on. Right. Yeah. And so they, they'd failed to shut down this guy's access apparently to the AWS environment. And you wouldn't believe how often that happens. Yeah. And especially if you think about how complex these platforms are, you can do all kinds of stuff around single sign-on to make sure that the front door has a single point of entry and that you've done the right things to lock down access for those people and eliminate access as people are leaving an organization. But there's all kinds of backdoor API tokens and other sorts of mechanisms. This guy took advantage of that to go in and delete 456 virtual machines out of the production environment. They had a two-week outage of the WebEx Teams application. And they, you know, luckily were able to restore the service two weeks later. Uh, It's better than Codespaces was able to do with theirs. But yeah, how much revenue did they lose during that period? Revenue loss. Yeah, totally. And the value of that business. And you, you think that there are people in the organization single points that have the ability to get into your environment and completely undermine all the IT systems in there. Um, Well, and one of the stories I shared with you is, you know, we were just even doing an upgrade to one of the the services a long time ago, and it was all the 800 servers. And somebody literally in their protocol deleted the whole infrastructure. Now, the telephony continued to work, but we had no record of who owned those 800 numbers for a long period of time. And so you can't bill them. 
there's no billing that occurs. So a lot of people don't understand that, you know, once you've made that mistake, unless you have some way to build it back, have that resilience, restore it back, you're just, you're left empty handed. Yeah, you are. And and I think another thing to think about as people are transitioning from traditional on-premises workloads into the cloud is cloud workloads are entirely virtual. So on-premises generally a mix, a lot of virtualization, but but the cloud platform is one unified platform, whereas on-premises, you're running different hypervisor platforms and different vendors provide networking platforms. And so what that means is that there is some amount of isolation you get just because of the fragmentation on-premises and you move into the cloud, you now have one credential that gives you access to go do all kinds of things. And it, it does become big vulnerability for the resilience that you can provide, especially when we talk about cyber resilience. And, you know, a lot of people, even if they still have those on in, you know, on-prem solutions, the cloud offers them an alternative space for continuity. They could yeah. actually build and structure an environment in the cloud in the event that they had to recover and not have to do an on-prem recovery if that's not possible. Yeah, sure. And there are there are a lot of solutions that help people do that. It's it's still a heavy lift, but we see a lot of companies that are trying to figure out how do I not have to pay for a second data center hundreds of miles away that I hope I never have to use. I'd and have a true cloud. cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Of cloud yep. as an option. Yep. So, but you know, we're talking about these uh sort of cyber disasters. You know, the other class of disasters you see in the cloud are these platform outages. Um, and before we, you know come back to what happened last month in AWS and talk about that. These outages do happen a few times a year. They'll have a major outage in AWS in particular. The other story I was going to tell you about was one that happened just over a year ago. It was the day before Thanksgiving. Amazon was scaling up some services to be able to support the Black Friday shopping that was going to happen. And by adding capacity to one of the services, they triggered a scalability limit in that service they caused that particular service to, to go down for 17, took them 17 hours to recover from this outage. And the interesting thing, this is a service called Kinesis. It's a data streaming service. It's foundational for all kinds of other services in AWS. So not only is Kinesis affected, but the CloudWatch metrics service is affected. And when metrics aren't working, then things like auto scaling aren't working. And so one vulnerability scale bug effectively in one service suddenly creates a massive outage for thousands, millions of businesses that there's nothing they can do but sit down and wait for Amazon to fix it. And at that point in time, they probably already know for every minute that they're not available, how much revenue they lose. Some of them certainly are. Yeah. You know, I think in general, the the lesson that I often take out of that one is twofold. One is the cloud is so powerful, but so complex that you don't understand how the butterfly flapping its wings over here might generate a cyclone over there kind of thing. And really, I think the people even on the inside of the cloud environments don't understand how all these dependencies stack up. But then the other thing is that these cloud platforms are so massive, there's no way to scale test them before right. you go into production. You know, new releases or scale-up events, and that's the first time that that the providers will realize that they haven't built a solution that actually works for the scale that they're they're being driven at. Now, do you think that these type of outages affect people that are only leveraging like high availability? Well, yeah, certainly there are different classes of failure modes. You know, that Kinesis one, I think definitely impacted 
companies who have more cloud native, cloud forward workloads. The irony of this is if you just take some virtual machines out of your data center and plop them down in the cloud, and it's a very static environment for the most part, then you aren't vulnerable to that kinesis outage. You aren't actually vulnerable to, well, one of the three outages that happened last month in AWS, the big one. But once you start really taking advantage of these higher level services and these auto scaling capabilities and anything that has to interact with the platform, you know, dynamic capabilities of the platform, Platform, then you're vulnerable to outages of the platform. And that is where you find companies having these tear your hair out events periodically. Just a question because maybe, you know, I'm not as cloud native as some folks are on the call, but when you're dealing with Amazon Web Services and they're having an outage such as this, their only action after this is to kind of give you a credit back on your account that you you know you lost 17 hours of, of activity, but they don't actually help you with the business impact that you just took. Well, yeah. So I mean, certainly they have SLAs and they do have some financial penalties associated with those with really large customers, uh, but it's pennies compared to the actual loss of a business that happens during these events. Um, they effectively are going to refund you for the service that they weren't able to offer. They're not going to compensate you for the business that you were not able to transact during that period. So that is, that's very much on you. And, and honestly, they tell you, you know, you should have built a more resilient workload. We never promised that outages would never happen. And we gave you techniques to leverage. And um, had you leveraged all of those techniques, then maybe you wouldn't have been impacted by their failure. So let's talk about the real, what happened to AWS last month that, you know, there was headline news from yeah. the Washington Post of, you know, we had three AWS events yep. and I call them an event, but they were outages. So, you know, that's pretty significant. So it's kind of like, are we on the rise for more of this because of, you know, all the new capabilities and the change and the number of people that are now participating in this environment? Are we going to start seeing more outages, you think? Well, I don't think we'll see less. Certainly as they grow these cloud platforms, they become more complex. As workloads move into the cloud, they grow, get to be larger scale. And you know, complexity and scale begets problems, unfortunately. So I don't, so outages are not going away. And there's a lot of people talking in the aftermath of last month about how is it that we as an industry step up to build more robust and more resilient workloads to take the, the things that we are running in the cloud and figure out how to enhance them so that the next time Amazon has a seven hour outage that you might be able to restore your service within a few minutes. And you know, when people think of high availability, they think they've got resilience or disaster recovery capability, and it's really not. So even though you're in a cloud infrastructure and you're thinking, you know, there's some replication in there that's just natural, it really isn't a disaster recovery strategy. Yeah, the HA and DR are different problems, and you really need to solve both. And some level of HA can uh, mitigate some of the risks that DR might also mitigate. But no high availability solution is going to help Cisco recover from a disgruntled ex-employee to leading right. 400. 56 servers. So you still have to invest in those. You have to invest in your ability to recover from those things, get your service back online quickly. And HA seems to fail at the wrong time. So there were plenty of companies that 
that thought that they had high availability solution in place when Amazon lost a data center for a few hours last month, uh, but then figured out that it turned out there was a single point of failure within their workload. They didn't, they learned about it during the outage. So DR, you know, is certainly still an investment that is just as relevant as it was, as it has always been. You know, how does RPO help with this? How do you and your team, you know, I know you're passionate about this. I'm passionate about this because you know I've seen so many companies. All it takes is one outage that they've lost their clientele. They've lost a big chunk of their business yeah. and or confidence. The customer confidence has failed. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you helping that? You know, where is it that you come in to help solve this problem? So, you know, we go back to the fact there are two classes of disaster scenarios. There are platform outages where your cloud platform is down or you know, worst case scenario, it could disappear for the long term and uh, black swan kinds of scenarios. The the other are these cyber events. So in the first, the, the way that you protect yourself or make sure that you can recover in the face of any cloud outage is be able to run your workload in a different part of the cloud that's not impacted by the outage. AWS is made up of 24 distinct regions around the world. And each of those regions are architected to be completely independent so that an outage in one should never cascade to another. So what we do for that scenario is we can actually forklift a running AWS workload and move it into a different part of the cloud where it can continue operating when it's impaired in the primary environment. And we can do that in minutes so that it's uh, your downtime, you have some downtime, but you're you're back up and running within minutes as opposed to waiting hours, maybe days for the provider to fix the problem. And that gives you the resilience that you really need to keep your business running. It does, yes. And fundamentally, like companies need this. And the question is, are you going to go build this yourself or are you going to leverage a third-party solution? It's really not strategic for most organizations to go spend months, maybe years of their engineering time figuring out how to institute a multi-region redundancy strategy. So what we do with RPO is say, well, we can turn that on for you within minutes. And then you can go back to making the investments that actually increase revenue and make your customers happy. I like that because you're bringing in an expert that focuses on this area. That's, you know, something some people think of it as not as a competitive advantage, but it is because what you're offering your client is that peace of mind that if there is an event, their business is an impact. Yep, exactly. And if it is, it's minimal. Yep. And, you know, we talked about that in the context of cloud outages, but the same thing applies for cyber events. If you get ransomware, like Kronos, Ultimate Kronos Group is a big payroll provider. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read that they actually finally have their core services. They, they had a ransomware attack in the middle of December, January 22nd. And they had their core services restored, which wow. means 8 million employees in the country were not getting their paychecks through their payroll system. I'm not sure how their employers were handling this stuff, but that's pretty devastating. And so those ransomware events, you have to be prepared for to, to recover from them. You have to make sure that you can restore your data and your entire environment that surrounds it in an isolated, non-compromised, non-infected environment. And that's the other thing that we do is is we can take that workload and roll it back to a previous point in time before the ransomware event happened and deploy that into a different security realm, which has not been compromised as part of the cyber attack and get the service back online again within minutes. Which gives you the option of not having to pay the ransom. Of course. Yeah. Saves a lot of money there. And I wonder if they paid the ransom. Did they pay the ransom in this scenario? I, I don't know. I, I have not read yeah, that. Um, yeah, the Colonial Pipeline 
issue. They paid it. Yep. They yeah. paid it. And it still didn't recover fast enough. Yep. And I think oftentimes people pay the ransom and then find that the, the recovery technology that they've been given uh, doesn't actually work. So all that said, I'm not sure the details of that Chronos scenario, but it's just, you know, top of mind as it's been happening over the past month, just how catastrophic these events can be. And, and you talk about reputational damage. I can't imagine a lot of people who use the Chronos service and have not been using it for the past month are choosing to renew those subscriptions. Anything yeah. you want to leave the people that are watching our, our webinar today, any thoughts that you want to leave them with? Well, I mean, I just guess I'd say don't forget that disaster recovery is just as relevant in the cloud as it has been on premises. And whether it's an outage of your cloud provider or protecting yourself from cyber events, a lot of people like to focus on how do I keep the bad guys out? But the bad guys keep getting in. And when they get in, your recovery capability is that last line of defense, the most important piece of it. So you have to consider both of these things as you're running critical workloads that underpin the value of billion-dollar enterprises every single day. And DR is just a small investment in an insurance policy to make sure that your business will always be able to survive any kind of unfortunate event. I think of it as also keeping your commitment to your customer to be always available. Exactly. Yep. Well, thank you very much for sharing all of this with us today. I'm so excited to be part of this journey with you. And if there's anybody out there that wants to connect with us, um, just give us a shout and we will connect with you either online or I can get you to Doug if needed. Well, Doug, it's been wonderful chatting with you and sharing stories. And thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me, Robin. Really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. It's William. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And if you did, would love to invite you to come to the live conversations as we are recording them. So this take from Robin and Doug was part of a webinar series we have called Valor Visionaries. And you can sign up on our events page at Valor dot bc forward slash events so if you enjoyed it drop me a note this week at the atlanta startup podcast on linkedin and let us know what you thought about the episode 